Ever want to design a miniature city? Run a train through it and make everything move? Maybe you want to show young people how to build all that too. Today's guest wants to exchange ideas about all that. Listen in next to the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. I'm Pius Wong. My guest this episode is Stacy Walthers-Nafa, the president of Walthers, a global model railroading company based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I asked Stacy about steam learning in this hobby, her family business, and more. Ms. Stacy Walthers-Nafa, thank you for joining the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast, especially in this time. I mean, we might as well address that we are talking during the time of COVID-19 and lots of other things happening. Um, and I really appreciate you taking your time out to talk to me. Well, it's really, really great to meet you, Pius. I appreciate the having the opportunity to talk to you and to meet you and to talk to your listeners. Thanks. Yeah. How are you doing in all of this? You know, we're actually doing surprisingly well, um, which is interesting, in some ways surprising, in some ways not, uh, during these very unusual times. Mm-hmm. I, um People are looking for ways to find respite and find productive activities and things to keep themselves occupied and ways to learn in new and unusual ways or just to, to do something to uh, at home that keeps them uh, feeling good. And uh, our hobby is, I think, doing its part right now. So actually, our business is pretty steady. And uh, I think that those people who are enjoying, who have always enjoyed our hobby, are really enjoying it a lot right now and finding some great comfort and and their oh. usual normal life, um, you know, can kind of keep on moving forward um, in their miniature worlds if the rest of the big world is a little bit, a little bit out of whack. Yeah. Um, so we should probably talk more about that. You talked about your hobby, and so. Stacy, you're actually the president of a company that uh, works in model railroading. I was wondering if you could introduce a little bit of yourself and your company. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I'm Stacy Walthers Nafa, and I have the pleasure and honor of being the fourth president of Walthers, um, and it is my family's business. So, uh, I just took over from my dad in September of 2018. However, I have been working in the family business for the last 11 years after a career outside of the family business. Uh, And we are a producer and distributor of model railroad equipment. So everything you could possibly need to create a a great model railroad or a little miniature world, um, we either make product in our own branded product lines or we uh, supply and um, distribute and sell uh, over 200 lines of other people's stuff. So our branded line is Walther's, but we sell um, brands like Lionel and Bachman, which you might be familiar mm. with if, if you've ever been around bit. trains. Um, and we sell to hobby shops, both in the U.S. and all over the globe. And we also sell direct to consumer. And we are also a publisher of what is, is pretty much the authority in the, in the industry um, it's a book called our reference book. It's over a thousand pages or right around a thousand pages that, that helps modelers with product and information to help them understand how to navigate and enjoy our hobby. So we've been around for 88 years and we're located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, the 
founded by my great grandfather, who was an electrical engineer, and then my grandfather and my father, um, you know, came after him, and both of them are engineers as well. So I have, and my mom is an educator. So I have kind of a oh, lot. Wow. I got a lot of uh, connections to the topic that you are so interested and passionate about, and I would I would say that I'm actually pretty passionate about it too. That's really awesome. You sound kind of like, well, Walther's sounds a little bit like the Amazon of model railroading in a way. You make stuff, but you distribute everything. Is that an accurate analogy? I've never heard anyone call us that. And actually, you know, we sell through Amazon too. Um, (laughs) But you know, what's interesting about that is that actually we were one of the first people in our industry to have a website. Uh, I think it was launched back in 1997. So my dad um, Hmm. did that, but we do a little bit of everything. It's a, it's an interesting, um, biz, it, it's an interesting industry. And then I would, I'm biased, but I would say it's pretty interesting business within an interesting industry. Cause we, we have our hands kind of in all aspects of it. And I definitely need to ask you about the technical side of all that stuff. And I will shortly, but I want to know more about like this whole family business thing. That's kind of unique, I would say. I know that you said that your your great grandfather, your grandfather, your, um, you have a history of engineering in your family. Um, are you an engineer yourself? You know, I am not trained to be an engineer. I but it's interesting because I really did think about it before choosing my college, um, and then I wound up going in a different path. So in my um, so I've, I've got some you know good hard wiring for that engineering stuff, and uh, I spend a lot of time with a lot of engineering people. But um, I studied actually um, business or marketing and psychology when I was in undergrad. But then I did go get my master's um, and, and studied actually part, one of the entrepreneurship. I studied family mm-hmm. business um, and some other things. I didn't know that they had family business classes. That's interesting. In yeah, business actually, um, the school. So I went to Kellogg at Northwestern. They've got a great, mm-hmm. um, a great family business practice there. And a lot of universities actually do have family business practices because there are a lot of family businesses in the world. Um, however, getting to four ge- the fourth generation is is pretty rare. So it is really it's a special business, and it's pretty special to get to the to the place that we are. And it's um, a testament to the generations before me and for the care um, that we've put into it and that the team has put into it over time. There's a lot of love in this business. So you must know, of course, about the history of your company and the industry. I'm curious how you have understood model railroading to have changed over time since when your company first started versus now? You know, there's a lot of changes and I will admit, um, you know, I'm not going to be the technical expert here, but I I can speak broadly to the fact that, you know, model trains have been made as toys since almost, you know, since there were trains like the mid 1800s, but small electric motors around 1900 really made electric model trains possible. So by the 20s, um, the the 1920s, excuse me, um, adult hobbyists were using electric model trains to create um, their first model railroads and clubs began to form. And uh, so really the fascination for early adult hobbyists was combining the high tech of their day with their interest in trains. And so we still see that today. So obviously uh, the technology has evolved over time. And the interest in trains, you know, might be varied based upon the people who are enjoying the hobby, but that that's consistent over time. But there's been a lot of changes in between. But my great grandfather himself was an electrical engineer, as I said, and he actually started um, his business in the Depression 
when his other business was failing and he mm-hmm. happened to have this interest in trains. And he also, um, so he was kind of puts in with, you know, electrical stuff to make his railroad work well. And he started writing information that could help um, or articles that would help um, other people enjoy uh, model trains. And then people started writing to him and getting more information from him. And then he started making products. I don't know this to be a hundred percent true, but I believe he might've written articles for popular science. Um, so anyways, the information and technology of the day to help enable creating these little miniature worlds was fundamental to the way we started. And we continue that to this day, although the technology has changed. And so now you can run your trains you know, digitally in the digital command control system. You know, people are figuring out how to integrate Arduino technology. They're, you know, running it off of their iPhones or their iPads. And some of them are still running it on standard power. There's a lot that people are doing with technology. And then there's a lot of real basic mechanical stuff that people are doing um, in creating the worlds that they do, um, just in the structure of it and the and the way that it works with the, the rails or even just the design of the of the world itself or the cities that people are creating. I'm getting a much better sense of all of this. I don't do model railroading myself, but I, I am an engineer. I like messing with stuff, putzing around with stuff sometimes, as you had said. Um, your great grandfather sounds like the type of person, if he were here today, he'd be on the internet forums talking about how to build different things. I don't know if, if you were here today, if, if you think that would be stuff he would do trying to share information everywhere. Yeah, I do think that. And he was real entrepreneurial and he had a real you know, passion for photography and watching train. He was just a very um, curious person. And I think that that is something that's been consistent and has um, curious and, you know, always learning, continuous learner is definitely embedded in our family DNA. So I think that Mm -hmm. that's what's propelled it, you know, over four generations is that we might, we're all kind of interested in how things work and we're all interested in solving problems. And so I think that that's something that has um, helped the business. And it also, um, you know, is very consistent with a lot of the benefits that you learn from, from this hobby. You talked about even though you're not an engineer, you definitely have an extensive business and an entrepreneurial background. The funny thing is that as engineers, the big trend today is to try to push more education in entrepreneurship and psychology uh, into engineering education to really understand customers. So I did want to ask you even, I mean, you probably know a lot about customers and your customers. How have your customer has been changing over the years, say from even the 1920s all the way till now. Has it been the same group of people doing model railroading? It's an interesting question. Um, I think that that common denominator of being curious and wanting to build things and um, is you, that that's a more of a psychographic than a than a demographic. Right? Sure. Yeah. So I think that that's probably a common denominator. I would say that. Um, the place that model trains has had in popular culture has changed tremendously over the years, right? So the technology available back in the, you know, the forties and the fifties, um, you know, this was pretty high tech stuff. And, you know, you had trains in every window at department stores and people actually shopped at department stores. Um, (laughs) So I think that the competition for leisure time and the competition in terms of technology um, has accelerated over time. So I think that 
maybe there, you know, there's been a shift away from the younger people, hmm. at least that we, you know, maybe over the last 20 years, but I, I think that's changing now. And I want that to change. And frankly, that's mm-hmm. where, that's why I'm talking to you. And that's why I came back to the family business because I see a huge opportunity, but I think that's more of a cultural shift. What I would say as a female is that I don't feel that we have as many female model railroaders as we could or should. And I do think that our industry has been, not that there are not female model railroaders, because there are, they're really, really talented ones. But I think that this has this perception of being kind of more of a quote unquote male hobby, which probably aligns pretty well with, you know, the challenges that STEM education has been working on, you know, with STEM and girls. So I think it's probably pretty well aligned there that um, it was more of a cultural thing that maybe made this more of a, a boy thing to do than, than a girl thing to do. So that's kind of my, my big picture statement is it's kind of that psychographics of curiosity, I think is consistent. I do think that it's primarily male. Hmm. And I do think that that has some cultural reasons for being. Yeah. You kind of reminded me that one of the things I had read before was there was like a little blog post on the National Science Teachers Association website about your education initiatives that you're introducing. Besides like noticing, I guess, an, a business opportunity, um, why is it even important for Walders to be involved in education? First, I have to say that when you're involved in your own family business and you're running it, you get to you know, try to align your own personal passion points and, and your business. Um, like I said, my mom's an educator. I actually was a camp counselor. I studied psychology. I really, really love kids. Mm-hmm. I have two teenagers of my own. And frankly, I came back to the business when my son was four and he was really into trains and I didn't really see kind of an invitation or a path for him um, that would have kept his interest and then when I, my daughter is you know, two years younger than him, um, you know, we've kind of been on this journey together as they've grown. Um, I just see education as being a really lovely way to engage them. And then I also see it as a real benefit to, um, to educate in a hands-on way. I have two different learners in my household, and I would say that both of them can benefit from uh, the applied learning of, of our hobby. There, there's a lot there. And I think that the more we engage kids and the more we engage them in the learning process in meaningful ways that meet their learning style and allows teachers to be really um, effective for the broad spectrum of kids that they've got in their classroom, uh, I just think that's a public good. I think it's important. I, th- I can't think of anything more important than education. Um, and, and just learning the process of learning um, can help people on their path, whether they want to be engineers or whatever they want to be. Um, figuring out how to discern how to learn, I think, is really important. And I think we can help with that. So that that gets me excited. Honestly, that's the, somehow connecting education to, to our hobby just feels like the right thing to do and a good thing to do. Yeah. How can we connect it to this hobby? I think this is the same question we could ask about like any hobby. I think I've had this discussion about video games, about Legos, um, about, you know, just, just lots of things. And I guess I've never had this conversation about model railroading. How can you teach someone with this? Do teachers already use your products or your information in their classrooms? 
Um, basically, what examples have you heard of or are you uh, trying to create or push for connecting this hobby to education? Yeah. Um, well, I will say that, you know, 11 years ago when I came back to the business, you know, I had already identified that STEM was a real trend and I could see it and I just thought we fit, which was one of the reasons why I chose to leave the career I was in to come into this one. Um, and I could see on the front end of that, some of the really neat things that Lego was doing. So I really, really mm. admire what Lego has done and how they've taken something that was perceived as a toy and, and just morphed it in so many productive ways and fun ways um, for educators and for kids. So I would say if there's a model in my head, I would say that, you know, emulating something of, you know, even a fraction of what Lego has been able to accomplish, I think would be really, really productive. Um, so I would say we're pretty nascent. You know, I, I've definitely had this personal passion. I think there's probably a lot of people who are doing things on their own. In fact, I know that there are. There are teachers who are probably doing things on their own. There are groups within, you know, our, you know, associations with our hobby um, that are doing things, but they're kind of um, inefficient or they're not centralized. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also the president of a, of a nonprofit called the world's greatest hobby organization, which is kind of the top companies in our model railroad industry. And it is an educational nonprofit. So I'd say that's the place that I've been spending the most time exploring the educational um, kind of outreach that we can do. And yeah. I'm very proud to say that we actually did execute something finally uh, last summer with our local science center. Um, so that's Discovery World here in uh, Milwaukee. Is that it's like a museum or something? Or Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a STEM center. It's a science and technology okay. center. It's a fantastic place where, you know, experiential learning takes place. So you know, museum, um, if, you know, if it's interactive and yeah. they've got programming and they've got classrooms, you know, that they're doing programming all year round with educators. Um, of course, right now that's changed, you know, given COVID-19. So they're doing yeah. a lot of remote summer camps, but they're great thought leaders. And so I appreciate that my colleagues from this world's greatest hobby organization who are all over the country, frankly, um, that they allowed me to kind of continue to work with um, with this Discovery World group, which I had been developing a relationship with, I would say, probably over the last six years, just trying to find the right fit um, because they see the value in um, and alignment in, in STEM learning. And so what we executed with them is, and what I need and what we need as a hobby is, frankly, we need to connect with educators because we know our stuff. I know that kids could benefit from us, but we need the educators to translate it. Hmm. Um, we know the educators know best how to how to manage a classroom, how to you know make lesson plans, and we know the stuff that we've got. So what Discovery World did is their education team developed a summer camp, and rather than calling it a model railroad summer camp, they actually called it Design Your City. So over the course of a week, they had middle school kids and they uh, we worked together collaboratively, their educators and our team, and we they came up with a curriculum. And we had five days of, um, you know, they started with planning the city themselves. They worked on a module that they completed over the course of the week. And that module, um, you know, was a, a small, I think it was like a two by four module, as I recall. And they had to work together on some hard skills and some soft skills, the soft skills of planning, learning about cities. Like why did railroads even come through the city? Um, how do you put um, buildings in what place based upon the infrastructure that's there? 
So anyways, they developed the curriculum, we had the materials, and we co-developed it, and we helped them execute it. The kids built building kits, they laid track, they put up scenery, they presented their modules to their parents at the end, and each one of them, were they were so proud, and I was so proud, and uh, we hope to be able to reinvigorate and do that camp again um, at Discovery World, but the curriculum was designed so that it could be scaled out so that it could be given to another science center or maybe another another educator who might find that of interest. Um, But from the discovery world standpoint, they actually, they knew, they knew their, you know, their folks who were coming to their camp best and design your city was the way that they framed it. And the trains were almost secondary. Right. So anyways, that's one concrete example I've got a lot of other examples in my head um, that are kind of rattling around, but (laughs) most importantly, I I really would like to connect with educators and hear what their ideas are and to surface the people who are doing good work in classrooms, because um, I I recognize that the budgets are tight in schools and, um, and this might not be something that they're thinking of, but I feel like there's probably a way we can really work together and collaborate uh, for the benefit of, of all of us. That's really awesome. So it sounds like Stacy, it's kind of like an open call for people to contact you. Like I don't want people to all of a sudden just yeah. flood Walters with with stuff. But okay, so you're looking for contact from after school programs, teachers, sure. museum. That's yeah. really awesome. Yeah, and actually I do I do have um I've been asked this by one other person and and so we have a email address that I that I I would give to you in, if people yeah, sure. to earnestly you know send me their feedback. I, I know that we don't have all the ideas. Best ideas come from the people who are closest to the people you're trying to reach, right? So um, you know we have a email address called ideas at walthers.com. So I would recommend that that would be the one that people would send their thoughts to. Awesome ideas at walthers.com. I hope that some Texas teachers and other listeners who are hearing this can reach you. And actually, that curriculum that you had specified with Discovery World, is that out? Like, can people just go to a website or something and look at that? It's not because it's it was so new. And honestly, like, mm-hmm. we, we weren't exactly sure what we were going to do next with it. And uh, all the time that I thought I was going to be working on possibly figuring that out has been dedicated to figure out how to keep business moving forward in, in a pandemic. <laughs> right. Yeah. Going back to that. I mean, I'm sure that that is one of the number one priorities. Like you're not running a school. I'm sure like as an educator, I have to think about creating curriculum and all that stuff. So I'm sure that you can't focus on that all the time. Um, Are you looking for any particular curriculum? You're just looking for ideas at this point because it's so new. It's not like you're targeting high schoolers or you're targeting young girls, you know, or is there a specific mission or you're just kind of like trying to see what you can do first? I think that I want to come up with something that's easy for educators to grab onto and customize. I see. So looking for people who have ideas on that vein, or if they have success stories that they're learning, or if they have questions for us to see how we might be able to help. Um, something that maybe you'll, I know you're going to ask me later about kind of all the different aspects of STEM that I think we, we cover, but yeah, think that there's probably enough questions out there that I'd be real interested to hear what they are and then start, you know, getting my team thinking over here about what we could do. And like I said, I do have a bunch of ideas, but um, I'd rather rather Mm -hmm. co-develop or or collaborate than push out. 
So we are not, you know, actively sending anything out to teachers right now. I mean, I, I would say that talking to you is probably one of the, you know, the first things I've done. I, you know, the National Science Teacher Association mm-hmm. interview is another. So I think right now we're, we're taking some time to just help make our case and say, I think we could be part of, of your learning journey and your teaching journey and uh, see where it goes from there. Great. And let's go right into that question that, you know, I got to ask what aspects of STEAM education do you think you can really advance with model railroading? So I think the opportunity exists to advance all of them. And I would even add another letter in there. I'd add, I'd add H. I don't know where the H goes. Maybe it's a silent H at the end or at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> that one is history. Oh, <laughs> That's history. of course. That, that makes a lot of sense. You don't have to convince so, me of that. Uh, yeah. So history, obviously, you know, we have a lot of people who are really interested in what we do just based upon um, creating the world exactly as it was at a certain time. People are very particular about, um, you know, the prototype railroad and how our little miniature version of that that railroad looks exactly like what they saw running past them. Um, at a certain point in time. Of course, they also you know see things running past them today. So you kind of have a living history of what's going on. I would say that's also kind of, um, you know, current events, how transportation, you know, exists in our world. You can actually see that in a miniature way. Um, and you can, um, I mean, we've got containers and shipyards and you, you can mm. intermodal. So anyways, there's a lot of like topic, richness of topic that you could go into on, on how the world works um, and the history part of how our country actually really wouldn't be the country we have without the railroads. Um, anyway, so that's that's kind of silent H and also, you know, public affairs and current events. But I think I would go to the M next. M is math. And I would just start with the fact that you take a big thing and you figure out how to put it down to scale. And that is learning uh, right there. You take a kid who doesn't really have interest in math and you show them a giant locomotive and then you show them the miniature version and how you calculate how to get from one place to the next. That's pretty cool. So, and we have multiple scales in our industry. So most of the product that we create and produce is in HO scale. Um, Lionel, which people are pretty, you know, uh, familiar with was really made, made famous O scale, you know, that was really popular in the fifties. But there's also G scale, which is what I've got around my Christmas tree. It's bigger than O scale. Then we've got Z scale that goes in your, you know, briefcase and N scale, which is kind of a little bit bigger than that. Very mm-hmm. popular in Japan and uh, and for people who have smaller spaces. So anyways, there's a richness of math, period. Um, and then you can even go into the you know geometry of putting together the tracks in yeah. radius of curves and you have to calculate that. Um, so math is a big one. I think that um, science, you definitely have, you know, electrical currents, you've got circuitry, you've got motion. Some of our products, they actually operate in scale speed. Oh, so okay. Yeah. So that's cool. You can do a lot of physics type modeling as well, I'm thinking. Yeah. So like steam, so steam engine, even how a steam engine works, how did actually, I mean, that's not how it's actually working on your miniature railroad, but, um, you know, you have a lot of richness of topic just in these giant machines that people can see and how a diesel engine works differently than a steam engine. Right. Um, and how the mechanics of that work, you can see that, you know, in, in the product, um, on the, the little rails. 
Um, I think that, you know, technology, I alluded to that earlier, that the way that people run their trains, you know, you can do it with DC current, but you can also do it with DCC, digital command and control, where people are able to literally operate their railroad the way that the real railroad works if they want to. Hmm. So like people actually can take, they can role play, like I am the engineer, I am, you know, the, the various, I am all of the different roles and they actually, they don't, you don't lift up the train off of the track. If you're this serious about your model, (laughs) you, you are moving it. You are moving loads from one area to the next area um, based upon very specific protocols. And um, it it can get really, really complex if you wanted to. And at the same time, you can just make it like run really fast or slow based upon how much power, you know, is actually meeting, you you know, moving into the, the train itself based upon how you control it. I, we actually are launching a Wi-Fi controlled train set and my kids were testing it for me yesterday. And oh, wow. you know, it's like, he's just sliding it back and forth on his iPhone <laughs> or you can go big on the, on the DCC controller. So anyway, science is a big, big one tech um, engineering. Obviously you, you're learning. Um, I, I just think this problem solving, I read your article. I thought that was so interesting about how engineering is about like problem solving and in the world, I think that you can do a lot of those things I described and maybe more of the public affairs section or the, or the current events. Um, you know, you can, you can really have a lot of fun there on how do you get the train from this low point to the high point and can it mm. carry eight cars? Can it carry four cars? Like how, there's just a lot there that I think lends itself to creativity with educators and then just construction, architecture, planning. I mean, usually the big model railroads that you see, and even the smaller ones, oftentimes people have to do carpentry to start, you know, their base of their, of their model railroad. And then they have to plan out the, you know, where is the lake going to go and where do the tracks go and how would I build a mountain in miniature? There's some really cool, construction, you know, it's, it's like taking your volcano project to the, you know, to the another level. Yeah, <laughs> totally. It's, it's instead of a volcano, it's something that actually works and moves things around and you're giving me yeah. lots of ideas. Yeah. And then and I would, I would end with one that I think is really important for kids today. And I think, um, it's soft skills. It goes back to like, I want the lake there, but you don't, how are we going to figure this out? Or I, think that there's just a lot of in that planning process, which is what I liked about the discovery world um, camp. And Mm -hmm. what I I've liked when actually my kids and I did a layout when they were a lot younger is I made them go and figure it out. They had to go make a plan and then they had to navigate and negotiate their plan. And then they had to come back because I wasn't going to let them carve a hole in the foam that we had just driven all the way to home Depot to get like (laughs) until they had plan. So I think that there's cooperation, there's soft skills, there's the knowledge that one person's going to be great at scenery and one person might be great at the, you know, the track laying and somebody else might be great at the reason why that, you know, that particular locomotive runs the way that it does. It just speaks to what I frankly, I think our culture needs is this idea of teamwork and collaboration and knowing that you don't have to be good at everything, but together when we come, when we come together with different skills with a diverse set of skills, with a diverse set of people, we can actually create a really cool outcome. Do you think that in bringing this hobby that has been 
celebrated in homes and informally, I guess, for a long time. Do you think that bringing this hobby into an academic setting, you you lose anything? Hmm, I don't know. Um, it's like I, I don't not to like poo-poo the idea. I actually really love the ideas you're proposing. I'm just thinking about. Well, the other hand is like if someone forces your kid to play the piano or whatever, maybe it won't be <laughs> as enjoyable, you know? So yeah. I don't know. Is there any thought to that? I hadn't actually thought about that. I, In my opinion, I think that you're going to capture somebody's imagination and you won't capture somebody else's. So I think that that's the job of, you know, the educator. And, and if we're not casting a wide net, then that shame on us. Uh, especially a wide net that I think could do some good in the world. So I'm not worried about that. Um, mm. I don't really need to be like the coolest thing. I really don't. I just, I, I want to add value and I want people to be able to be creative. Oh, excuse me. I completely forgot in our steam thing. Art is huge. Oh, right. Who are creating yeah. these worlds. Oh my gosh. The A is a giant thing. Um, yeah. So I gave you the silent H and then forgot the A. Um, so yeah, the artistry that people um, do with what the products we create is so, it's amazing to me that they could make that, you know, the product that comes out of our boxes look like a real miniature world. It's phenomenal. So anyways, I think creativity and giving people the opportunity to be creative um, is a value. Um, and if somebody chooses to do it, um, then, you know, outside of the, the classroom great if they don't no big deal hopefully it, it helps to teach people in a way that's a little less quote-unquote eat your peas and a little bit more hands-on and uh, makes makes um makes it an enriching and possibly fun experience yeah i think you're right it is kind of up to the educator that's where a lot of that comes in that brings me to more thoughts what obstacles do you think there are to bringing this hobby into more of the educational mainstream? I guess I will tell you right now, it's lack of understanding of how to do that effectively. Um, mm -hmm. I, I know that our school systems, you know, are far less centralized than other parts of the world where there have been successful education programs executed. So namely Japan, one of my colleagues, Hiroshi Kato, um, who owns Kato, um, company out of Japan, um, he actually has been executing a contest with, um, I believe it's with high school students for many years now. And each high school, and he's got wild participation, really high participation. And, you know, they've, you've got like 150 schools that all participate. They all create a module or they have multiple teams within their school to create modules. And then they compete. And the winners, actually, we had some winners come over here to the U.S. to a train show in Milwaukee. And they've also traveled to Germany and uh, it's so anyhow, they've been able to move in an efficient manner just based on how their educational system works. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a little, I, I just know that's not how we work. So I we would have to come up with something that's scalable to a point and that allows people to customize. I also, I'd be, we have to figure out how to make it economical for the school and economical for us. Sure. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I, think that, you know, some could argue that, you know, somebody might say, we don't have the space for something like that. Well, mm -hmm. but if it was a four by eight thing that just sat there kind of in the art room or the science room or some space where, you know, it was just perpetually being worked on. Cause I will tell you that that is a common 
thread amongst people who are engaged in our hobby. They always say the layout's never done. You know, so as soon as they get it done, they tear something up and then they mm -hmm. start over again. So I don't know. I guess that's where that's some of the feedback that I'm interested in is how could it work or how could you see it working? And what are some of the obstacles that educators would have? Probably there's a fair number of people that say, I, I just don't know anything about it. So I think yeah. for one, we're going to just work on, you know, kind of opening the invitation up and, and um, kind of maybe you know, creating some awareness so that we can work together. We, we, we think of things in the long game over here. I mean, you, you do when you're an 88 year old business. So I'd, I'd rather do something the right way and make it durable right. and uh, work with people who really know uh, than to just kind of try to, and, and maybe we'll experiment too. So maybe we'll try some things um, and we'll come up with a solution or a couple solutions that work for various um, situations. What you're saying reminds me of Lego situation. I mean, we even spoke about, well, you spoke about Lego earlier, their education division. I'm sure they work with educators to develop a lot of their uh, products and their curriculum. I think they run into the exact same issues. I, I know for a fact that many teachers I've worked with, they have problems with Lego just because that can be expensive or like physical space is hard to come by to just carry a giant box of Legos. Do you work with other organizations, not just Lego, but um, other companies with similar challenges to try to figure that stuff out? Um, not yet, but I think we could. And I think that what I've always been interested in over the course of these 11 years, it's like I've always had this idea. It's just a matter of how do you execute it well. I've, I've talked to, you know, um, I'm on the board of our children's hospital here. So I talked to them about how we could possibly do something there. I've talked to the boys and girls club. I, you know, I've talked to the alum, you know, to the leaders of my camp that I used to work at. So I think, um, I think that just the more data points and the more ways that you can think creatively about how it could work for someone, the more, and the more you understand their economics, the better solution you're going to come up with. So I think making it, you know, reasonably affordable, making its footprint relatively small, or conversely, having some place that's really committed to this topic and then working with them to bring people to them. Um, that's that, frankly, I think is probably the biggest start that we can make. And, and Discovery World here in Milwaukee is taking a big step that way, or at least we were right before mm -hmm. COVID. Um, we had mm -hmm, a beautiful, mm -hmm. beautiful, professionally built model railroad donated very generously by, um, by a gentleman who passed by his estate. And Discovery World had said yes to take this layout and actually put it in Discovery World. And then we they would have programming that would actually, you know, be able to be developed around it. So get people interested have programming where either it's through the summer camps or schools could come visit, but really preliminary conversations um, were happening. We needed to get that layout installed first, but it was supposed to get installed in April and that has not exactly been a priority. So we'll, we'll have to see where we surface, but I think that that's also a way like, so if you bring it to boys and girls club or you bring it to your local science center and then educators can come to it. For me, that sounds like a way that it might help offset some of those concerns on cost and on, um, uh, real estate available in a school. Okay. Uh, so I have to ask this question. So I have a friend who I used to work with here at the university of Texas, when we were making educational curricula using products similar to yours. 
and he's really, really into model railroading. He took a job actually to go to a railroading museum in Maine and work there for a while. He is wondering if kids today are interested in model railroading, or maybe they're not interested now, but they're going to be interested. Um, and how, how could they get prepared for working in an industry like yours? Basically, I'm thinking of what kind of people work uh, in your industry and how could a kid get into it? That is such a great question. I'm so glad to hear that you have a colleague who enjoys our hobby, and I'm excited to hear that he's able to to enjoy it up at that museum in Maine. Um, this is such a great question, and I love the fact that I'm being asked of it asked it now by him, but I love it even more that I got asked that same question by two young men who came to visit, oh, wow. but who, who asked, who, they were both 15 years old. They both were completely independent of one another. And probably about six months ago, each reached out to me so that they could get a tour to figure out that exact question. And what I told them is that I think they should study the things that they're interested in. And we have all sorts of jobs here at Walther's. Um, so we are running a business that, you know, has a sales department. We have an, a new product development department that comes up with products. We have a marketing department. We have a distribution center. We have an operations department. So whatever a person is interested in, just know that our businesses work like other people's businesses. And so if you want to be in this environment, you know, do the thing that you think you're best at. Um, if you're particularly interested in like actually designing the trains, then I think you do need to go get some, you know, some engineer. We do have some you know, product engineers here who are figuring out how to translate the big product into the little, um, into our models. And they, you know, have, they have CAD backgrounds, you know, they're doing design, solid works, you know, some of these things that, that you need to be able to create the, the models that, that we have here. Um, and then we've got a lot of people who are enthusiasts, but they also happen to have a great sales background or they, you know, they work in our purchasing department. Um, and then we have a whole bunch of people who aren't particularly interested in the hobby, but um, they still <laughs> love to work here because we're a good yeah. place to work. Um, I think that um, kids are interested in model trains. I think that there's a neat resurgence that's happening around the teenagers because I think that their ability to self-serve um, on YouTube and get information and find things that are unique. They probably were in a Lego robotics class or something like that. Um, I do think that we have a sweet spot of people who are interested. And I even had um, one of these young men um, actually volunteered to work a, a trade show for us right before we all kind of went into quarantine. Um, wow. We had a, a Silas um, come, you know, he came to visit us and he came to work for us and he's an expert. He is not a beginner. He, is, he knows his stuff and he's in a railroad club and and he's trying to invite the rest of his friends, trying to start one at his school. So I believe that there are kids who are interested. And I think that if we open up the invitation to more, that more could become interested. That's really cool. And that's just another idea, a railroad club. If you're in high school or something, that would be perfect. And you know what? There used to be railroad clubs all over the place So um, at school. So um, the Milwaukee School of Engineering had one. Um, MIT had one. I believe that other, um, other colleges have had them. So getting them into you know, junior highs or um, maybe or younger um, yeah. could be fantastic. And clubs are a huge part of our hobby right now for adults. I mean, people connect with themselves, with each other through their clubs. And especially if you have a real estate problem and you can't actually put a layout in your house or you don't want mm -hmm. to, 
um, mm -hmm. will actually just build at their club. So Stacy, how would someone in general learn more about Walders and the industry? Do they have to be in Milwaukee? No, we, we sell it. We're, we're global. So, I mean, we, we would love to have you visit us, um, but you can follow our social media and we are taking some efforts to invite new people in on our social media. Um, especially as we have got a contest called the national model railroad build off, um, that's kind of closing down entries right now, uh, or pretty soon, but it's, um, it's a way of people getting involved, maybe in a small way, if they're not quite sure. Um, so social media, so on, we're on Instagram, Facebook, our website is walters.com. Uh, we usually, when we don't have a pandemic, go to shows and lots of shows that um, are dedicated to bringing in newcomers. So you could connect with us there. Um, but uh, I think that our website and our social is probably the best and safest way to do so right now. Yeah. All right. Also, actually, I have to say, we're also very proud to sell into a lot of local hobby shops. So if you have a hobby shop right. in your area, um, you probably will see our product there. So you should go to your local, you know, support local retail. Um, if you don't want to come to our website or if you really want to go and touch something and talk to somebody, go to your hobby shop because they know a lot. Stacy Walders Nafa, thank you so much for speaking here. And I hope that you stay safe, of course, and we'll learn more about uh, your educational programs as the future unfolds. Thanks so much, Pius. It was really a pleasure to be with you today and to meet you. Thanks, likewise. That was Stacy Walders Nafa, president of Walders. Check the show notes for how to reach out to her and for links to other topics mentioned here. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is sponsored by my studio, Pios Labs in Austin, Texas, and also by the Engineer's Guide to Improv and Art Games, available through Amazon and other booksellers. The show is also made possible by stupendous individuals donating to the show on Patreon. You can help continue the podcast by donating online too. Just check out patreon.com slash Labs. Visit the podcast website for show notes, links, transcripts, and more. Go to k12engineering.net. That's k12engineering.net. Thanks for donating. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and tune in next time. <laughs>